can use it too. I gave uh, I gave I gave Jerry permission. He he's a uh, he's a whiny crybaby. So uh, I gave him permission to ring the bell at ten. Oh, he's going to ring it at uh, uh, ten fifty nine. Is that clock right? All right. He at ten fifty nine or ten forty nine. He's going to ring the bell. Give me one minute. Uh, at that point, he's going to shoot me if I go past that. So I said, "Amen." He's a good guy. Take your Bibles. Go to Genesis. Actually, actually, I, I was excited, man. I got up this morning and I was excited about some things. I was just excited. I mean, it's just, uh, we had a meeting yesterday. <laughs> it wasn't like exactly, exactly like I thought it was going to go. And uh, so I'm going to do what I want to do anyway, so it don't matter. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so last night I ordered a, a thousand uh, uh, door hanging bags. And uh, and I'm, I'm going to mention some of that Sunday morning service, but but really, when you go out and visit people, uh, if, if you're, I had, you know, it's, it's like we don't have no liberty. We're, we're sad. We're done. You know why you're sad if you're sad? I'll tell you why you're sad. You have no joy. You're not out winning souls, man. And, and you know where you get your joy at? He that wins souls is why. You get that joy from watching somebody else. I don't know about you, but boy, when I think, I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't know about you. <laughs> when the roll is called up yonder, uh, that role, I'm going to be sitting there going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Wait a minute. And they're going to say, shut up, man. Shut up. We're not at your name yet. We're still in the A's. Would you quit it? We're not at the E's yet. I know, but I'm here. I want you to know I'm here. I don't have to worry about my name being on that role. I already know it's there uh, because I got saved years ago. I know that. Genesis chapter 12 or 22. I don't want to go backwards. <laughs> we'll never get out of here. But you ought to be, you ought to be happy. So we're going to we need some people who can design a, a what I want to do is, as Brother Willie's got, had a brilliant idea, uh, and, and uh, I got a thousand of these things, and I, I can order more thousands of them, but what, we can order 10 billion of them, I don't care. Uh, we need a, a flyer, somebody design a flyer, but we need six of them. I need six flyers, uh, and I need them uh, one a month for six months. And every month, we're going to put a different chick track in, in that flyer thing, and we're going to go out and canvas the area, and, and we're going to hit 1,000 people. Now, I'm not expecting anybody to come. That's not what I'm doing it for. Uh, you're doing it to get the gospel in their hands. Uh, and then it's the Holy Spirit. If they get saved and go to a Jehovah Witness church, praise God, hopefully they don't. But if they did, I, it, that's not between me. That's between them and the Lord, and the Lord will sort that out at the judgment seat. I'm just telling you, if we don't get the gospel out, that's what our job is, is to get the gospel out. We have to get it out. We have no choice. It isn't, it isn't, it's a command. We're commanded to do something. And what's wrong with a lot of people is we get so wrapped up in our own little world that all we see is one facet of a Christian life or one facet of a Christian uh, experience, and, and then we judge everything according to that facet. Well, if you, throw, if you add that facet with all the other facets that's in a, a, a life, any one life is amazing. I don't know about you, but I think life is amazing. Uh, I watch people. People amaze me. Uh, some are selfish. Some are, are kind. Some are giving. Some aren't. Uh, some don't know to. Some can't. Some, I mean, it's, the whole thing is, is a weird. People are just all different. They're just all different. And you can't make, you can't make a judgment call on anybody because... They're gods. And what happens is we get so locked up, like I said, in, in our little world over here that we'll make our judgment call about everybody according to that. And that means absolutely nothing in God's eyes. It's a big scheme of things. God's looking at things that you and I may never look at. 
And he's watching people and he's saying things that you and I may never even think about. And the Lord says, yeah, but okay, so they're not too hot right there, 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 there. But boy, they sure are really good right there. I'm telling you, brethren, you gotta, we've got to watch what we do because when we start judging, then all of a sudden we'll say, I don't want, and I don't, and that's the wrong way to look at it. Jesus Christ said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever, that's it, anybody. And you've got to reach out to him. I got a call from a, a guy yesterday, and, and he was concerned about some things that were said. And then he said he called Adam and got some other things straightened out. And now he understood exactly what we were saying. And he had a thought on what he wanted to do. And I said, bro, that's, a great, that's exactly where that thing needed to go, is that you guys get the thought on what you want to do and how you can make a ministry out of what God wants you to do. And then I can help you do it. I said, hey, brother, when he told me what he wanted to do, I said, that's great. I said, I got about two or three guys here in church that probably love to get involved with that. And I said, and, uh, I said you can't drive, obviously, but uh, they can. And I said, and, and we got the vans, we got the stuff, and you can bring people in that, that you may just drive a bus up and they just all, you fill the thing up. And if that's the case, then you're, you're doing exactly what the Lord says do, and we're helping people. And that's exactly what the church needs to do is figure out a way to help people, uh, not to supplement their incomes, but to help them. Anyways, Genesis chapter 22. Uh, we were down to uh, verse 13. Actually, I'm going to read 12 again. It says, and he said, Abraham, Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for letting us come to church. What a blessing it is, Lord, to be in church on a Sunday morning. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, just have a book in our hand. Uh, Lord, what a, an amazing book it is. Uh, Lord, it's about an amazing Savior that we have. What a, what a blessing that is. I just thank you for all the people. Lord, some that I'll never know uh, that had an influence in my life before I got saved. Uh, Lord, that had uh, just a small piece and part here and there. And then, Lord, one day uh, in your infinite wisdom, you worked out a situation that put me in, in a place where uh, a Bible was laid in my hand, and I started reading it, and the Holy Spirit took off from there. And, and Lord, the rest of its history... Uh, Lord, there is things I will just never know until I get to heaven and what it took uh, for you to get me saved and, Lord, to get me uh, down the right path and to do the right things. Uh, Lord, uh, there's just no, it's, it's, it's astronomical, the, the amount of things that you'd have to do. And, Lord, you did it. And, Lord, uh, help us to, to be patient with those around us, uh, Lord, to know that, hey, uh, we, may, we may think we have arrived to something, uh, Lord, but there's still a whole lot of uh, space left in my life that I need to change to to arrive at the real place you want me to be before I leave out of this world. Uh, Lord, help us to help others uh, come down the path also. And Father, again, we'll praise you, Ani, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, the more I, the more I was sitting here this morning, I got about 3 o'clock, and I get up that way every Sunday, try to. And uh, I'm telling you what, it's just a blessing. You, you start reading, and you read your Bible, and you read your Bible, and you read your Bible, and you see stuff. Uh, I come across a verse, uh, and I read it a thousand times. Well, maybe not a thousand, but a whole bunch anyways. And it's over in, in Mark, and it was talking about, and it says, the, the day before they buried, they put Jesus in the tomb the day before uh, the Sabbath. And I'm like, Lord, there's the verse right. I said, how come i never seen that verse right there before? That's Good Friday. That's the Catholic verse for Good Friday. I kept saying, where do they get Good Friday at? Where do they get? And it says in, the, in Mark, it says that it was the day before the Sabbath, uh, the day before they buried him, the day before the Sabbath. So, they're thinking the Sabbath is Saturday, so it had to be Friday, so it's Good Friday. But it can't be because then, then you, here's, now here's your Bible. There's three days. He was in the ground three days and three nights. If it says the day before the Sabbath, it can't be Good Friday. 
Because there's three days and three nights. You gotta, you gotta, the thing, the people say, well, the Bible contradicts. It does not contradict. You gotta get it down to where God will show you. Here they say one day of the day before the Sabbath, which would be Friday, if, if that's the Sabbath he's talking about. But then he says he was in the ground three days and three nights. Well, it can't be. It has to be Wednesday. So there was a high Sabbath on Thursday. And Thursday is the Sabbath that they were talking about. And they put him in the ground on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning rises. There you go. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I just, I said, I said how come I've never seen that verse before? He goes, because you didn't need it before. I said, but I'm not preaching on that this Sunday. He goes, I know, yeah, but I'm going to give it to you now anyways. There it is. You know, I'll never forget that verse for the rest of my life. It's one of those things that you read, God gives you something, you start laughing inside because I was raised Roman Catholic, 12. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad. The angel's talking to Abraham here. Abraham done, done his thing. He got up there with the knife. He's getting ready to kill his son. And he says, lay not thy hand, the angel says, upon the lad. And neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast uh, has not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And, and I mentioned that last time, I'll mention it again. You, there's, there's many different paths that we go. The Lord knows exactly what you're going to do. We're not Calvinists by any means. Uh, but he knows what he's going to do, you're going to do, and he knew what Abraham's going to do, but you still have to do it. Uh, it isn't that you're going to sit there and just let something happen. So many people think, if I just sit here, something will happen. Yeah, nothing. You'll get, you'll get cobwebs on your feet. Uh, you can't just sit and do nothing. But you can't just go do something because you feel like you need to do something. You need to make sure the Lord's in it. Abraham knew clearly that the Lord was in this thing. He knew clearly that God told him what to do. I thought that was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. I mean, he took his son up on the side of the mountain and was going to kill him. Uh, and he did it, and he wasn't even angry. I mean, he was, he was all worried about the thing. Uh, you can't even get him. But 13, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thickets by the horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering uh, instead of a son. This is where I was at last Sunday when I quit. I want to I clear, uh, go a couple across these things just a few more times. Uh, I, I think these are some of the greatest things when it comes to you. The Lord provided that ram. He, he's given you the substitute for your offering. He's given you a substitute for it. Uh, until God becomes the sacrifice himself, I said this last week, the atonement is incomplete. You need to realize, I'll I, I tell you what, I started getting excited when I was going through this stuff. I'm like, Lord, you know, I remember the day, have you ever talked to somebody and they just don't know what salvation is? And, and they sit there, my mom, I talked to her and she said, I just don't understand. I said, Mom, it's simple, it's free. It's just simple. To me, it's so simple. It's just a piece of cake. I mean, it's a piece of cake. Uh, but it took me 16 years probably to get to that back porch to where I just finally let go and said, I'm done. I believe it. I just believe it. It isn't nothing. Uh, John R. Rice said this. He goes, somebody asked him, he says, I, what is this believe stuff? Just believe. He says, I believe, but I don't know if I got. And he, goes, and he goes, Jesus made an offer, and you accept the offer. That's it. It's bottom line. There's nothing more to it. It's just an offer that was made that God made. It. First of all, Christ died for sins. Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived and, and, and died? Yes. Okay, that part is done. You believe he rose from the ground? Yeah. He's up. Now, do you believe you're a sinner? Yes. <laughs> do you believe that he died for your sins? Yes. Then all you have to do is say, Lord, I trust you that you're going to cover my sins with the blood that you shed at Calvary and let the thing go. Salvation is nothing more than that. It is that simple. Uh, but people miss that thing. I, I mean, I, I tell you what, I sit there as I was going through this this morning. I'm like, Lord, 
boy, I sure glad that you showed me that. And I, I'm like, that, that is exciting to me. It, it might not be to you. Uh, you. If you've lost your excitement, you lost your joy, uh, you'll find out that your joy, that your joy may be, over in 1 John chapter 1, 4, it says that your joy may be full. Your, your fullness of your joy is to live a Christian life, walking with Jesus Christ with sin out of your life. And, but it's about your salvation. You, if you don't know what you're doing, I'm telling you, you're missing the thing. Go to Luke, Luke 16, 22. The atonement has to be made. And Luke 16, 22, it hadn't been made yet. This is how important that atonement is. You know, you know all the way up to Luke 16, when the Lord's talking, that the atonement has not been made yet. Luke 16. It's uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Everybody knows that story, or most people know the story. Uh, verse 19, there was a certain rich man uh, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the uh, rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Not heaven. And the rich man died and was buried. The atonement hadn't been made yet. Jesus Christ is talking. If you've got a Bible and it's in red, he's talking right there. That's, I mean, you should be able to tell when Jesus talks. Not, but he's, he's talking right there, and that rich man is in hell. And Abraham and, and Lazarus is still in Abraham's bosom. Why? Because the Savior hasn't died yet. Uh, Luke 23, 43, a couple pages over. Luke's got a lot of stuff. 23, 43. I like Luke, man. Luke, Luke is, is, I like Matthew, Mark, and John, too. 43. <laughs> Your Bible ought to be precious to you. And Jesus said to him, talking about the thief on the cross. He's talking to the thief one, uh, and, and they're both sitting there in agony. Uh, I don't know about you, but you have to stop and think about that. Uh, here's the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on a cross with two spikes driven in his arms. And his feet are nailed together, and he's on a block of wood. And he's, if he lets off on his legs, then the weight goes down on his arms, and he's ripping his wrist out. Then he picks himself back up, and the thief is doing the same thing. They're both sitting there in agony, just in agony. I mean, excruciating pain. Carrying on this conversation. That's how important salvation is. That's how important winning souls is. Uh, it, it overcomes the agony and pain. People say, well, I can't because I'm just... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, brother. When I go through my Bible and I look at this thing, uh, your condition means absolutely nothing when it comes to winning souls. Souls are the most important thing that you could possibly do. Now, there's other things you can do, too. I got that. And, and we got to live eating all that other stuff. But when we lose that... that thought of souls, uh, you, we say, well, I don't really feel like going out and doing this. Stuff. I don't feel like doing a lot of stuff a lot of times. <laughs> However, comma, Jesus Christ really probably didn't feel like telling that thief how to get to paradise. Or didn't even want to mention it to him as he's sitting there in pain going up and down, up and down, just trying to breathe. Uh, they, they, there's a doctor went through that whole thing about the crucifixion and, and talked about that thing and what he went through. I'm like, you, there's no way you can understand that unless you're doing it. And here's three men doing it. As a matter of fact, the other guy gets so mad that he's arguing back and forth. It's just, it's an amazing conversation. And then it gets right here. And the one looked at him and said, verse 42, he says, and he said, and, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. Just as simple as it could be. Jesus said unto him, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, not heaven. 
Three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, down he goes. So that's where the thief went, down there in a place called paradise, Abraham's bosom. That's what it used to be called. Uh, so it still hadn't been done yet. But boy, I tell you what, after the crucifixion, the Bible says, Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I personally don't care if he's still in Abraham's bosom. I know he's not. He's in heaven. Because Stephen says he's at the right hand of the Father. I got that. I get to go right with him. Boom, just like that. That rich man's still in a place called hell today. If that doesn't excite you, man. <laughs> Abraham turns around and sees that ram sitting there, and what God did was provide for Abraham a substitute for his son. Temporarily a substitute. Now, you and I, I mean, you may be able to understand this, and, and maybe I don't understand it fully, but how Abraham's heart fell at that particular moment when he realized that God took care of his need, met his need. And I'm telling you, man, that's just exciting. Uh, until God voluntarily offers himself, uh, he cannot accept the sacrifice. I just read two verses to you right there. Until Jesus did what he did, there was nobody from Adam all the way down to Jesus Christ that could fulfill that. And there's nobody from Jesus Christ all the way up to the present right now that could fill that, that we could walk in front of God, the Father, and be sinless and offer our blood for an atonement, and it would be acceptable to him. It wouldn't. There would have been fault. Each one of us has fault. Jesus Christ, I like the way Pilate says, I find no fault in him. A lost man looking at Jesus Christ says, I find no fault in him. Three times he goes, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. You know what God said? He goes, in my son in whom I'm well pleased. You can't beat that thing, man. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is it. Number three, he says, all sacrifices between Genesis. Here you go. All sacrifices from the time they got kicked out of the garden all sacrifices uh, between Genesis and Matthew 27 are temporary. Anything you did up to the cross is temporary. It's going to put you down into Abraham's bosom, and if the Lord didn't do something, they'd still be down there today. It's temporary. Uh, you, you have to go to Hebrews 10, 11. Hebrews 10, 11. Abraham, all this stuff is in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's no different. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Uh, and that's really the... Uh, uh, the Catholic Church always teaches the purgatory, and everybody wants to say, I'm going to purgatory. No, there ain't no purgatory. Sorry, I hate to tell you. I was born Rome, raised Roman Catholic. I would, I would love to say there's a purgatory uh, because some people, I think, really need to go there. Not Just before they go to heaven, I said, Lord, just send that person to purgatory for a while, and let's, let's do some work on it. As a matter of fact, I don't want no purgatory because he's liable to send me there, uh, but I'm telling you, there's no purgatory. If I could find purgatory, brother, I'd tell you there's a purgatory just so that you'd have a safeguard from hell. But there ain't. There's two spots, heaven or hell. And there's nothing in between. And people are afraid to tell people that. And, and I've got to the point where I don't care no more. I mean, all you can do is hit me. <laughs> that's the best you can do. Uh, or beat me up or kick me. And I've been, all that's happened. You spit on me. I've been spit on before. <laughs> i tell you what, as funny as anything. I was a, I was a street preacher one time. You got to do some of that stuff sometimes just to get, to get the fun. Uh, and it was on, uh, it was a Greek fest in Virginia Beach. And uh, I'm sitting there street preaching and street preaching and street preaching, and, and I didn't want to be there anyways. Uh, and I told them all I didn't want to be there, but I was there anyways only because I, I opened my trap and I got myself there. So if I'm going to be there, I might as well street preach. So I was preaching. I was preaching. Cars like this. Ah, la, 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 la. And the Bible says, la, la. And I turned like this, and something hit me right here on the side. And I mean, it hurt. It hurt like you wouldn't believe. And I seen this powder go by, and I, it felt like somebody stabbed me or something or shot me. And I just kept preaching. I figured I'd just keep preaching, fall down in the ground, die. And then I, at least I'd go out preaching. 
And uh, all the guys that were with me said, boy, that was cool, man. He said, you got hit. You never even stopped. You just kept going. And one of the guys driving by got so mad at me, threw his bag of white powder. I was, ho- I was hoping it was cocaine uh, because he just wasted like a you know, million dollars worth of cocaine on the side of the road. Uh, it would be cool if I get to heaven and the Lord says, you know, there was a million dollars worth of coke just hit you right there or heroin or whatever it was. And it, <laughs> they just wasted that. You just look what you took from them guys. It's probably uh, sugar or something. I don't know what it was, but it hurt, whatever it was. Uh, and, and you sit there and say, well, Lord, why would you? Well, you just go out and do it anyways. And did, did that stop me? No, I still go out and street preach. I think you should go out. You, you should make a stand for what you believe in. I'm telling you what, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I ain't going to get up. I'm actually happy for once about the Bengals. <laughs> They're all out of jail. They're in California, right where they belong. And they're with the Rams out there, and I hope they actually win. I really do hope they actually win for Amy's sake. Uh, I mean, she's been putting up with me for years and years and years and, and dogging out the Bengals. And if you're a Bengal fan, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm on your side today. I'm done with that. However, comma, <laughs> back to this. Uh, this world really has nothing. What, what does it matter who wins or who loses? I mean, it's, it might be a little exciting, but man, I'd really get excited about Jesus Christ more than that. Uh, so th- when he died on that cross, and I realized that it's no longer temporary for me, it's permanent. It's a permanent thing. Uh, I-, I now have salvation. I got it in 1980 on the back porch. I know exactly where I got it. I can still see the picture of the, the porch I was sitting on. It's been torn down a long time ago. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, I got it right there, and, and I can put my life and my eternity sitting right there. I know exactly what it is. Uh, God provided a priest class for the nation of Israel to do sacrifices. When Abraham comes down off that mountain, what he's getting ready to get, and I'm going to mention some of that here in a few minutes, what he's getting ready to get is your salvation. What you're looking at right here is how you got to heaven. God was looking down across eternity, and he looked down there, and he said, is there somebody who will do for me what I would do for him, what, what he's going to do for us? And he, he said, Abraham will do it. And he goes, watch this. And he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, take him from the son of Matt, and I want you to kill him. And Abraham goes up there and sets him up just like a lamb and going to offer him just like Jesus Christ was going to be offered. And he's, he didn't have to do it. The Lord stopped him because it wasn't going to work. But he did that. But from Abraham comes Isaac. From Isaac comes Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of them's Levi. Levi, then the priestly tribe comes out of Levi and they bring the, the gospel. They make the sacrifices for the nation of Israel and the people all the way up to Jesus Christ. After that, there is no more sacrifice. There's a priestly class that he provided. Uh, but there is no class before Numbers 113. There is no more class. Uh, the class before, before he made that, it doesn't exist. Uh, Melchizedek does not offer. Everybody always talks about Melchizedek. Here's another thing. We always go off onto these things in the Bible and, Oh, Melchizedek. Melchizedek doesn't offer a blood offering. It's a memorial thing for, for Melchizedek to do that. The entire, now that's us. If you're in this room today and you're saved, and you know you're saved, the entire body of born-again believers are priests in the New Testament, and they are never, uh, and they never offered a little, literal sacrifice of blood. I didn't have to offer a lamb. My lamb was already offered one time, 2,000 years ago, at a place called Calvary. My lamb was offered right there on the cross. Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said, the lamb of God. Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the lamb of God. Behold. Uh, I'm telling you what, right there he is. And and, uh, you'd wonder why the Catholic Church always goes to Mary. 
and the, why the Catholic Church goes to everybody but Jesus. Uh, when the Bible clearly tells you time and time again who, who the Savior is, it's Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not a church. It's not a Baptist church, Catholic church, Methodist church, Presbyterian. It's not a church. It is a man named Jesus Christ. Your salvation is in him and nothing else. Uh, so uh, take your Bibles. Go over it. Go over it. Let's just see ours in Hebrews. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Brethren, we are the priest. I just don't have one of those little white things on my neck. I should go get one, come to church one day dressed up like a priest. I wonder if that would be blasphemy. I don't know. He said he made his kings and priests. I'm looking, looking, looking. Oh, yeah, verse 6. And it made us kings and priests. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, go back to verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our, our sins in his own blood. Your lamb washed you at Calvary, if you took it. If you took it. Uh, they got, the Calvinists got that all messed up. Predestination. I wasn't predestined. Until I got in Jesus Christ. Jesus was predestined before the foundation of the world. He was predestined to die before the world was ever built. He was predestined to die. Man, I'll tell you what. I was watching a documentary the other day. I, I like watching these alien documentaries because you really look at the, the, the ignorance of scientists. They're doing everything they can to get rid of God. They'll call him an astronaut, an ancient astronaut. No, it's God. Uh, that's, it's God. It's God. Okay, he, may, he is an alien. But he's really not an alien. He's God. And, and we are alien to him, but he's not alien to us. But he, he came down. The Lord Jesus Christ came and shed his blood at Calvary. And when you sit there, he was predestined. Before anything was, he made a decision that this is how it was going to be. And this is exactly the way it was. And he died on a cross 2,000 years ago, predestined to do that. And then he went back to heaven for all eternity. When I trust Jesus Christ and I find that door and I trust him, I walk through that door and get saved because he says over John, he is the door. I said, look, if I walk through that, now I'm in him and I'm predestinated back to the foundation world in him. And I get that uh, people get your Bible all messed up. It's a really simple thing. I like this book. It's so simple if you sit there and take it like it says. Uh, Revelation, and he says, verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you're, you've been made a priest. You know what a priest is supposed to do? A, spree, a priest is supposed to give out the gospel. It's supposed, that's what the Jews didn't do, and that's why they got in trouble. Uh, that's what a lot of us don't do, and that's why we get in trouble. Uh, the Jews weren't very happy with Jesus Christ. You know why? Because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, and they killed him. Boy, I tell you what, you take Nicodemus and, and uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they were doing what they were supposed to do, and they loved Jesus. They took him down off a cross in front of everybody, took him out and buried him in a tomb that was never used. Why? Because they were doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, number nine, therefore the faithful man, Acts 2, will trust God, a provision at Calvary, uh, done once and forever, which is true. Uh, number 10, I got, I got two more to go. Uh, the faithful man between Exodus 20 and Matthew 27 will trust the provisions which God made in the temple of Jerusalem. If you're, if you're in the Old Testament under Moses to Jesus Christ, it's the law. A lot of people don't realize that, the, uh, and I know most of you do, you're, you're in churches all the time, you hear it, uh, but the New Testament does not start till Jesus Christ dies on the cross. 
The, oh, no, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the New Testament. No, that's Old Testament. 99% of that's Old Testament. Probably 90% 90 of it's Old Testament. Uh, until the death of the testator, when Jesus Christ dies on that cross, that's when the New Testament starts. The whole thing just changed. So from, from uh, Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, all the way up to, to 27, you're trusting in what that Jewish priest can do for you. But the, the unfaithful man will, will make provision for himself. A lot of people say, well, I don't know if I want to trust that. Well, I'm telling you what, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of these days you're going to wake up and you're going to say, I wish I did. Because it says that when our body sleeps, we leave this thing. And I'm telling you what, there's, there was, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hand of a living God, especially when you realize all the stuff he did to make that way for us to get to heaven, and then we totally reject it. Verse 14, back to Genesis. Genesis, man. Jerry, you got your little bell ready? I ain't going to let you use it, man. I'm actually going to get done a minute early. Er. <laughs> you know what would be a blessing? It would be funny as anything. Is if your alarm went off just before that you had to ring that bell and you got distracted. Genesis 22. Man, I, I just like, I like my Bible. I don't know about you. Verse 14. It says, uh, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord, uh, the Lord it shall be seen. And, and they're saying that this is Calvary. Uh, just about everybody, when they look at it, they're putting it, it's either the Temple Mount or Calvary. Somewhere close into that area is where he's at. Uh, verse 15 and the angel of the Lord called unto Abram out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and, and hast... <laughs> Brother, I'm telling you, man, when you read your Bible, it ought to be very personal to you. Uh, and he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. Abraham is sitting here because of what he did. He didn't plan on any of this. He already knew what the Lord had said earlier. Uh, there's a couple of verses where he already knew what was going to happen and, and what the Lord was going to do for him and what the Lord had promised him, but, but all that kind of probably went to the wayside in his mind when the Lord told him to go up there and sacrifice uh, his son. Right here, he's saying, and the, when the angel Lord told him the second time, he said, I've sworn that in blessing I will multiply thee. He is, he, it's a repeat of Genesis 12, 1 and 2, and 15, uh, 5, Genesis. It's a repeat. He's telling him what he's going to do. Uh, this time, though, he's adding the sands of the seashore. I don't know if you've ever been out on the seashore, but there's a lot of sand out there. And there's sand granules are just teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy, and the ocean's full of them. And he sits there and says, and uh, the sand which is upon the seashore, he goes, your seed is going to be that big because of that one kid. It's going to come out of that one kid. And he goes, and, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And down the road, he's saying, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to, you're, you're going to win. You're going to be victorious over your whole thing. Abraham, Abraham got something uh, because of what he did, and he didn't really think he was going to get that. That wasn't what his purpose was. His purpose was to obey God. You know what you can take away from this? Is you do what the Lord tells you to do, and it may hurt sometimes, but you just do what he tells you to do. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to see it. 
I don't have to realize that, that uh, something great's going to happen to me today. Something good's going to happen to you today. <laughs> uh, it may or may not. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen to you today. I, there's no idea. Uh, you know, you, to, to this COVID thing or all the other stuff, uh, Ukraine, you know, the, the Russians going to uh, invade Ukraine. Okay, so what, man? They, uh, from the 60s all the way up, they were going to blow each other up with nukes. I mean, if, you all, if that's all you do is worry about what could happen, uh, you might not ever do anything. You know what you need to do sometimes? Just do what's in front of you. Nothing more. Uh, I throw everything out. I, that's what I tell everybody. If it's not like right here, uh, you can hang it up. Uh, Mike calls me up and says, hey, can you come up here and help me with a gate? You say, well, it's, uh, a brother calls me. I say, yeah, sure, I'll go help you. Uh, I stop what I'm doing and go help him. Why? Because he stops what he does all the time and helps me. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, <laughs> but if he never asked me, chances are I wouldn't think about that gate at all. I mean, why would I? Why would I think about anything else? Uh, it's, it's really what you put right here and keep in front of your forehead all the time. I mentioned that yesterday when the Lord said, uh, he said, uh, let the dead bury the dead. There's so much dead stuff in our lives. Have you ever been out of Florida? You know why, you know why California is burning up all the time? They got all that dead wood out there all over the place. They won't clean it up. Uh, and they, they sit there, well, we got to let this stuff. But Okay, so you have forest fires all the time. Then you want us to pay for your forest fires, you morons. Uh, clean the wood up in your forest. You got a forestry department. Clean it up. And then you, the fire would never go through the forest, but they don't. It's dead stuff. Dead stuff gets in the way and causes a lot of problems. Yet we do that. We'll just keep putting more and more dead stuff around us and more and more dead stuff around us and more and more dead stuff around us. And pretty soon we can't see anything. Lord says, let the dead bury the dead. Let them go. You say, well, that's kind of a mean statement. Yeah, but that's Jesus Christ who said that, not me. I'm just repeating what he says. You know, everything that a preacher says really is just repeating what was said in the Bible. If, if you just stick with the Bible, you don't have to change something else. It isn't me saying, I need this, this, this. I'm telling you what the Lord says. Abraham did what God told him to do without expecting anything in return. And the Lord just dumps on him everything. He, he dumped on him your salvation. Now, I don't know about whether you think that's fun or not, but I'm excited. To know that there's a place out there called hell and that I deserve to go there and that he died on the cross and here's the man who, who did what he was supposed to do uh, in a time back there somewhere that, have you ever thought about one of these days you're going to stand in heaven? You're saved in here. If I ask for a show of hands, you're going to save, you're going to stand up in heaven. And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be a great thing if the first person you walked into heaven and saw was Abraham stand there? And then right behind him was Isaac and Jacob. And right behind him was David. And then behind him was, somewhere in there was Job in the mix. And, and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're going to say, tell me your story, man. I said, you've read mine for all these years. Tell me your story. Do you have a story to tell? I got some, man. I got, I got some sailor stories. I want to tell them all my sailor stories. <laughs> they probably already heard them say, no, no, no. We've had to listen to those for eternity, man. We don't want to listen to them anymore. <laughs> but I'm telling you, brother, there's some sweet stuff when you get into this book. And Abraham's sitting here. And, and Abraham, how could you have done that? Well, his relationship with God was so tight that he knew... Uh, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we got that little class back here, and uh, Brother Steve Bowman was back. He came to class, and 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 we got done. And I'm teaching on in Romans, have nothing to do with Job. And he he said, "Hey, brother," he goes, uh, he said, "Can I ask you a question about the Book of Job?" I said, "Sure." He goes, "You mentioned something last week about this." Da 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 da. da. He goes, and I didn't understand it. And we sit here and talk for a little bit, and he finally got it. He goes, "It's relationship." I said, "Yeah." The light bulb went on. Bing. <laughs> And he goes, it's all about a relationship. I said, yeah, Joe got his relationship at the very end. 
I said, here he is in boils and ashes and, and kids, 10 kids gone. He loved all of them. He did all the stuff he did in chapter 1 and 2 to keep those kids out of trouble. You knew he loved his kids with all his heart. And they died. He lost all the stuff. He was, he was a beggar by the time he got done. And sitting in front of God in chapter 42, you never hear him once mention the boils, the pots, uh, shaving them, uh, the money, nothing. He is just excited to be in front of God. Now, brethren, that's where we should be. And so we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to stand there, and Job's there. Hey, tell me your story. Have you got one? You better have one. I got, I got six minutes, or otherwise I won't get dinged. <laughs> but but uh, verse 18, it says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's us, man. Because of Abraham, it comes down to Isaac and Jacob, and, and then uh, uh, the tribes come out of there. And Abraham is a Gentile, by the way. He is not a Jew. Jews did not start till Jerusalem when David went into there. Hebrews, he's a Hebrew. So uh, Abraham had some, some different wives he had, and, and the bloodlines come down through there. So we're out of that thing. And he, because of him, uh, not completely, but spiritually, because of what he did, I now can have an access to get to God that I didn't have before. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You never know what happens when you do what God tells you to do. Uh, that's like soul winning. You go out to pass the track out, and you think I'm passing the track out, and nothing happens. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that there's no guarantee that anything is ever going to happen. You know what he tells you to do? Do it anyways. Why? Because it's not up to us, the outcome. What's up to us is to get the, the present. The, I'm a priest. You know what I'm supposed to do is present the gospel. I'm supposed to tell people about heaven and hell. I'm supposed to tell with a, with a tear in my eye when it comes to hell because you don't want to see nobody go there with a smile on my face when it's about heaven. And you know what's wrong with a lot of people? Let me tell you about heaven. Heaven's the place you go and you don't get wings. And there's no Easter bunny and, and Easter eggs at Easter. <laughs> and Christmas, Christmas is of the devil. No, that, that although all that's true. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> it, when you sit there and look at it, some of that stuff, when you really get down to the Bible and the truth and you start looking at it, I mean, it's, you sit here and say, Lord, how did we get eggs at, at a man dying at the cross? Uh, I mean, I don't read my Bible anywhere. I don't read little bunnies bouncing around the bottom of the cross anywhere and Easter eggs over there. You know, and the, I, you don't see that stuff yet. We throw that stuff in, and I know where it came from, but we throw that stuff in, and then we wonder why the world thinks we're crazy. Uh, we're insane. So Abraham, verse 19. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now, he comes down off the mountain. This is just about the last thing Abraham, Abraham lives another about 40, 42, 43 years. This is pretty much about the last thing he does in his life. As far as monumental, this is it. Uh, he did what God said, but by doing what God said, he set in motion Isaac's life. And he set in motion Jacob's life. And he set in motion the 12 patriarchs. And he set in motion all the other stuff that took place all the way down to Jesus Christ. And he set in motion all the stuff from there up to here. Because of just obeying Jesus Christ. Brother, we got to get away from looking at this world in a, in a narrow view of what we see right here. I see this. And this is, this is uh, I'm, I learned that on a ship. Most people only knew their little small part on a ship. So they're all freaking out. We pulled, we went across the, the in, uh, I'll, I'll quit right here, but this will take me my last three minutes. 
we went we went over in the middle in the Mediterranean when uh, uh, the the uh, in Libya, Gaddafi said, "You come across this line into this Gulf, and and we're going to turn the sea into the into blood and all this other stuff." I was on the first ship and went across that line. They they just they just tantalized him, and uh, but me, I had access to combat. I had access to the bridge. I had access to everywhere, so I knew exactly what was going on. I could not say a word of what I seen in combat or what I seen on the bridge. I could not say a word. On our ship, now nobody on that ship could tell anybody anything because we're in a ship in the middle of the ocean. However, they were scared to death. You know why? Because they only knew their little teeny weeny part. That's all they knew. And they judged everything and their feelings and everything by, only by the teeny weeny part that they knew. I knew right where we were sitting on the, on the ship. I walk in combat. Here's the maps. Here's the people drawing all over the boards. And you see exactly what's going on. I knew that if we came down and they were going to bring us right down this way. And their missiles could only hit like right here. So there was a, a, an area, a trough right here. They couldn't hit us if they wanted to. I knew that, so why did I care? <laughs> they can't hit me. I don't care. I mean, they're going to have to put missiles on a boat to get it out there, and by the time they do that, we're going to blow them up anyways. And I got to watch them blow stuff up. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, I know this stuff, but by knowing more about what's going on in this book, it gives you a comfort in your life. And here's Abraham coming down off the side of this mountain. These guys don't know a whole bunch of stuff. Abraham knows the whole story now. These guys, you know what they know? is at the beginning, Abraham said this in verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. You know what the Lord did? He honored what Abraham said. He made sure that when Abraham come back down off that mountain, those people looked at him and said, Hey, he said he was going to leave, and he's going to come back. He said he's going to bring his boy back. Now, on the way over there, he may have actually told them, Guys, ah, the Lord's telling me i got to offer my son up there on the mountain. I've got to kill him. But he also told me out here somewhere that, that he's going to use him, and as the sands of the sea, as the, the, the stars in the sky, he said, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And he's probably telling these, these servants all the way over there. And when he comes back down off that mountain, they're probably saying, what happened, man? What happened? And he goes, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you the story, the old, old story. And I went up on that mountain, and I was going to do what he said do, and he stopped me, and there was a ram up there, and we offered him, and then he told me this. You get over in chapter 34. I think 233 or 4 Abraham's wife dies and he goes to bury her and he's looking for a, a cave in Machpelah there and, and them guys said you're a great prince Abraham, great prince you can have whatever you want tell us, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours you know what happened? Listen, Jerry's looking. I just might go on for another five minutes to irritate him but I'm telling you brother doing what God says do is more important than what you can imagine Verse 20 through 24, y'all like this because I'm just going to hit it real quick. Uh, it gets down to his brother Nahor, and, and God is going to provide for Isaac a wife now, uh, exactly where he wanted. But he needed Abraham to do what he was going to do to get him to the place where now that you've done what I told you to do, now I'm going to set in motion a series of things that's going to happen, and God is going to protect those things that's going to happen. Somehow, down through time, he knows exactly what to do to protect all that stuff down through there so that one day Mary has a child named Jesus. And that young man gets up to 33 years old and he dies at Calvary and opens up a door that anybody can walk through. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the book. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for just letting us come and hear something about you. Most of all, thank you for uh, supplying that lamb that we all needed to get to heaven uh, Lord, uh, there was a day when I was going to hell, and I was, I was sitting there, and I knew it, Lord, and it had nothing to do with what you did. It was my sins that was always before me, 
And Lord, you told me that you would take my sins and give me your son. And I took it. And Lord, been saved ever since. Thank you for that. Thank you for just showing me how to believe. Uh, bless the morning service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. Jerry, what do you think about that?